welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 94. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we're going to be finishing out Next Gen's fifth season with the episodes The Inner Light and Time Zero. Here we go. The Inner Light, Season 5, Episode 25, Production Number 225, Original Air Date, June 1st, 1992, Directed by Peter Lauritsen, Story by Morgan Gindel, Teleplay by Morgan Gindel and Peter Allen Fields, Music Composed by Jay Chataway. Guest cast include Margot Rose as Aline, Richard Ryle as Bataille, Scott Jake as Resic Administrator, Jennifer Nash as Maribor, Patty Yasutaki as Alyssa Ogawa, and Daniel Stewart as Bataille, Son of Cayman. An unsophisticated alien probe assumes a relative position with the Enterprise and releases a particle stream that penetrates the ship's shields. Focusing solely on Picard, the beam knocks him unconscious. When he wakes up, Picard finds himself in unfamiliar surroundings, being cared for by an unfamiliar woman. The woman, Aline, tells, tells him his name is Cayman, and he is her husband of three years. Father... I think I should marry Danik sooner rather than later, don't you? Seize the time, Maribor. Live now. Make now always the most precious time. Now will never come again. Okay. You guys ready to talk about the inner light? Yes. Um, either you guys tear up when you watch this episode am i just like am i like the <laughs> the emotional one here i cry every time i watch this episode every in time. fact i cry listening to the commentary of the episode <laughs> i i tear up thinking about certain scenes in the episode so 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 there's more than one scene that gets you because yeah there's two of them for me but <laughs> the, the one that gets me is um and it's my favorite scene of the of the episode it's the very last scene when he gets the flute from Riker. Mm. You know, he opens it up and he holds it next to his chest. That's um, mm-hmm. that would be the yeah. That would, that's two things. I tear up a little bit, and that's actually my favorite. How as good as this episode is, that's my favorite scene of the whole episode. That's awesome. That's not. I don't tear up in that scene. Uh, for me, it's the the obvious one, I suppose. But uh, yeah, when she when his wife dies. Mm-hmm. What's her name? Aline. 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 Aline, when, when Aline dies, you know, put your shoes away. That gets me. But actually, the most emotional moment for me in this one, the one that definitely, that one just, I, I just, I tear up. But I think, I, I have to pretty much, I mean, I was watching this with my wife. So, of course, I had to look down at my notes and take, like, really good notes. <laughs> I mean, I can't cry in front of my wife when I'm watching it. Of course not. So, um, I, I really had to look down. The one that really gets me is when he says, oh, it's me. Oh, it's me. You know, mm. that, that the probe finds in the future. Yeah. When he says that line, Stuart is very, very good, but, you know. I found myself pausing quite a bit because I'm writing, you know, there's a lot of notes to write in this episode. And I was like, hey, I got to pause it because I miss, because you start yeah. writing notes and then you miss like, you know, two or three minutes. Like, oh, I got to go back. And so it's, it's did a lot of pausing in this episode. Yeah, I think this actually is a record for me. I, I normally do one page. This was about two pages. I don't think I've ever had that many notes on an episode ever. Um, so... Um, yeah, this is a pretty good episode. <laughs> Do you guys remember the first time you saw this episode? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, and it's, I, I was wowed by it at the time. I don't remember exactly my reaction, but, um, 
I mean, I knew right then it was my favorite next gen episode, and it still is. I mean, it was you know, it's like wow. I was just absolutely blown away by it, you know. And I think I think the 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 diff, the only difference now is I've seen it many more times, but I I know how solid it is. Given that it affects me, it only affects me more every time. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, some of it is age. You know, it's it's very different. You know, um, I mean, I'm 40, and the first time I was, you know, not even 20, and uh, it it's age dependent a little bit. The old, I think the older you get, the for obvious perhaps obvious reasons, the more it strikes you. You know, is mm-hmm. moving. I, I think the only thing that doesn't hold up in this episode is, um, and the reason I say this is because we get to see what Patrick Stewart looks like 25 years later. Is his makeup? <laughs> the makeup doesn't didn't hold up for me. That's the only thing that I was like, eh, the makeup's kind of crappy. But that's oh, pretty much. I it. thought it was good. I mean, it's not as amazing as every other element in this episode, which is, you know, that's what when you think about television shows, film. It's so easy to make something. I think I've talked about this before, but to make something bad is really easy because all you need, all you need is one element of the kajillion elements that go into it to, to be bad. But to yeah. make something great, every single one of them has to be great. You can't have an, a sucky element and still make something great. No way. That's why it's so much harder to make something great. In this episode, incredible story, incredible script, and you know I'm kind of differentiating those two here because you've got not just a great story, but just wonderful human touches like the put away your shoes you know you've got a you've got an incredible story got an incredible script you've got every one of the guests performers is great especially um margot rose playing his wife but everybody's great all our leads are great of course patrick stewart is freaking incredible um the music you know we far too often kind of skip over the music in our reviews here but um, the music in this episode is not only incredible, but it's so like, um, you know, actually plays a role in the story. Uh, that's so good. There, and the list goes on. So there, there's so many, every, every element in this episode is fantastic, you know, mm-hmm. and, and on top of all of that, uh, it, it's, it's a great hour of Star Trek from a point, from, from the fan point of view that we talk about a lot where, what is this doing for our characters? Mm-hmm. You know, this is an incredible episode for Picard because this is his chance. You know, this is this is his opportunity to get all these things in life that a Starfleet captain does not is never going to have. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the you know the family, um, the the home life, kids. He's never going to have that opportunity, and and here he experiences what thirty years worth of it, probably at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at least. Um, if if anything, the only complaint I could have about this episode isn't really about this episode. It's that the episode is so good. The episode is so good that it's that it's. You want more? It, well, I was going to say that it's impossible to believe that it doesn't affect him from now until forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's Star Trek hourly television and of course they're not going to do that the next episode could have played right before this one I don't know if it would have made any difference we're going to revisit it a little bit they do they do revisit it in one episode I believe it's the sixth season mm-hmm. lessons I can't yeah. remember the one where he has like the girlfriend um, but um, that's I mean that's it 
And so, if anything, the episode is so good that it, it demands that his life be changed, mm-hmm. and it kind of isn't outside of this episode, and that's really the only minor complaint that I could have, is that it's so good that, I, that, it, that it demands that, and it doesn't get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I noticed, um, I would say this episode's kind of the, the um, this experience that he went through is basically the exact opposite of what he went through with the Borg. Um, you know, where you kind of see what I'm saying, where it's so life altering, and I would definitely agree with you because they don't really allude to this anymore. And obviously, we get to see what has happened to Picard because of his experience with the board. But I'm, I'm with you. I could have, I would have liked to see a little bit more how this affected him. Um, this episode because you, you know, you know that's, you know, when I, every time I watch this episode, I'm just like, I really, I really want to see more because it's like I kind of, I want to, I think about it in my own head. What would it be like to live like an entire life outside of your own life? You know, it's similar to, you know, if you and if anybody out there saw the movie Inception, it's kind of like that. You live a whole life in a matter of seconds, and like, how would that affect you? Um, we see this um, in DS9 with O'Brien. He kind of goes through a similar experience, although it's not as probably happy. Um, as what Picard went through, but I agree with you totally, Brian. I would have liked to see more, so Picard was, more, more uh, talk about this more, or been more involved in future episodes. This experience that he has, just for for listeners that are really dying for that, I don't, I never checked it out, but there was a recent like comic sequel, but it was only online or something. You guys remember this? I think Trek movie had it. It was from the same guy that wrote the episode. Okay. No, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Um, I don't even remember what it was called, but it's still out there. You can you can find it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, uh, one thing this this episode, when we, yeah. So I was saying, like, when this episode aired, I remember it was immediately like my favorite. I I do remember this is one of those few episodes I remember the first time I saw it. It was. Uh, I'll save that story, but it, it was a it was a cool it was a funny experience. I was basically in a military airport <laughs> and saw it on a one of those old like eighties you know the the like rear projection but TVs. Yeah. Like, yeah, like yeah. you used to have in your basement, Steve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of those. Um but uh, anyway. Um it was immediately yes, not just my favorite next gen episode, but like my favorite Star Trek episode. Mm-hmm. I immediately liked it even more than anything from the original series. Um as time has passed, it's slightly slipped. I, I think it's my second favorite Next Gen episode now, although I haven't watched Chain of Command Part 2 in a while, so we're going to watch that soon in Season 6, and I'll say that for sure. But, um, you know, it's up there. It's next to Chain of Command Part 2. It's up It's up there with um, uh, DS9's The Visitor. And, of course, this episode always makes me think about The Visitor because you've got that experience of seeing somebody kind of live their whole life and age mm-hmm. and things. And yeah. I think it's the same. Is it the same writer? I want to say that. I don't, I don't know. know. If I have to look that up. Um, but, anyway, the reason I'm bringing all that up, I remember when we talked about The Visitor, Steve, you said that was your go-to episode to play for, for um, non-Star Trek people to show right. them what Star Trek could be. For me, that's always been the inner light. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something about this episode that I, I, I do think that even if you've never seen an hour of Star Trek in your life, um, with the single exception of talking about, hey, this is that, this is Picard getting to experience something that a Starfleet captain is not going to get ex- to experience, with that one exception, I think that you can 
appreciate and enjoy it on pretty much the same level, even if you have no idea what Star Trek is about. Mm -hmm. You know, um, so this has been that episode for me over the years. I've, you know, this was one of those few that I did that I bought on VHS and and you know ran out the tape. I played it so many times. Um, and it's it's pretty incredible how well it holds up. And also, I don't remember as a kid, like you think about like global warming. It makes me think about that mm-hmm. as an issue, which. I did not think about that at all as a kid. I'm sure people were talking about it, but I don't remember hearing about it like in school or in, you know, this is the 80s and 90s. Um, this is kind of one of the first times I remember it kind of in, in you know, the, the, in culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, of, of course, that's even more pronounced today. Um, but the, there's just so many ways, and I'm mentioning that again just as a, tiny little example of one of the millions of ways that this episode holds up now you know the standards of our show if it's if it's about something then it holds up i mean the this show this, this episode holds up possibly better than any other of next gen i'm not i'm not sure that any there's one that holds up as well as this one for me well those multiple levels that this um i think what you're alluding to there's multiple levels obviously we'll, we'll put it this way if they were making this episode today in what way would it be different and the fact that I have almost no answer for that, I don't know that it would be. That's what tells me it holds up better than almost anything. I'm not sure it would be different. If, the okay, only the, the, maybe the, only the thing cosmetics would, would be better. Okay, well, that's that's not really... That's uh, not them choosing to make it different. The only thing that I would do different in the episode of it was made... I kind of wanted... Um, I wanted less Enterprise, more, you know, what was going mm-hmm. on the bridge with the captain. Because it's like, come on. Because the character development and the interactions between Picard and his life there are so interesting and intriguing. And, like, you know, especially the scene where, um, you know, where they cut off the beam. It's a really long scene back on the bridge of the Enterprise. And um, to me, it didn't really lead anywhere to the his life. And um, Yeah. Uh, well, and, I... I think what they were going through is just to have some kind of a, you know, life or death threat there. But, mm-hmm. you know, so there's some kind of dramatic tension in the middle of the episode. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's something to that. That doesn't bother me. But I, I can see what you're saying about, because, for example, the first time they cut back to the bridge, mm-hmm. um, on one hand, we, the audience, we know, obviously, the real Picard, you know, that Picard is What's the going real on? character. Yeah, we know there's something going on. Um, but it does disrupt it just a little bit for me because I'm just starting to get into um, wondering is Picard, does Picard, has he accepted that? Mm-hmm. And because they cut back to the bridge, I guess I never let myself go there in a way. Um, but I, I'm wondering, do you guys think that that Picard slash Cayman truly accepts at some point that Picard was not real and he came in was the reality? Um, no, I didn't. I didn't think that. I think Picard just accepted that this is where he. You know, I I thought about this a little bit. Uh, when I was pausing and taking notes, I'm like, you know, if you were obviously taken out of your life somehow and you were thrown into a situation and there, you know, obviously the technological advances of the society did not allow him to explore what happened to him. So basically, he had to accept his reality of what he was in. I don't think he ever let go of, of who he was. 
I think he just realized like there's nothing I can do about it, and then he accepted the life that he had going forward. I don't think he ever. I I think you know, I I probably go a little in the other direction on that in the sense that I don't think he he ever forgot the other stuff. I just think that he, but I think I do think he accepted his life as as Cayman. I think that he because you know it's kind of like the whole you know resiliency of. Um, the human spirit and, and, and the games you play in your mind just to stay sane, you know, I mean, what do you do? You know, at some point you have no choice, either they, you know, you get put away or something or whatever, and you just don't function or you decide, well, I'm going to choose to accept this is my reality. And whatever that was, I, I don't know. I can't explore it, whatever, but you know what I'm saying? I, I think that I, I felt that he had accepted it, you know, somewhere along the line. You know, no, I think we're saying the same thing. I just, um, Brian, were no, you asking yeah, if I'm, it's, it, I'm asking if he forgot. I don't think I'm he ever forgot. I'm not asking if he forgot. I'm not asking if he forgot. I'm asking if he got to the point where he he believed that Picard, his Picard yeah, his Picard life was Could have been not a real imagination or something. Yes. Yeah. 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 I'm asking if so. he got to that point. You do think? No, I don't. So? I don't. I don't think so. No, Steve. Uh, yeah, I think I think he did. I think he did. Okay. Uh, just from the vibe I got, and also that, and for you know, at the end of the episode, he's saying, um, "It's you know, he's he's you know, still working or struggling to uh, accept that this is his life." You know, mm-hmm. once he's back in it, then you know, he starts logically, you know, going down that path. But I think over that the apparent whatever however long period of time he lived, that was enough to accept it somewhere along the way. Yeah, well, that's kind of what I think too. Well, well, I'm a little bit confused. I I think he accepted his situation and who he was in this life, but I don't think he ever thought that his life as Picard was a fantasy or something that was made up. I don't I don't I wouldn't go that far. I don't think he went that far. I think he I think I agree with you that he accepted that he was Cayman and that he was in this life and that he his feelings for all the people around him were true and real, but I don't think he went as far as to say that you know, his life as Picard John Luke Picard didn't exist. I don't think he went that far. Um I was. This is definitely one where I'm curious what your favorite scene is. There's so many beautiful scenes. I think you, one well, of you guys said that already. Uh, Adam, you already said your favorite scene is when he, when he, in his quarters at the end there, when he puts that flute up to his chest. Yeah, the reason I th- said that because the flute, it's it was a clever, you know, it was a genius writing thing, you know, because to me that makes the experience the whole. It makes it real. It connects. It connect that flute connects both of his worlds. Mm-hmm. It connects his world on the Enterprise, and it connects his world on that planet, and um, it's it's the bridge. And you know, I, I really, you know, he opens it slowly. You know, there's no words. You know, even when Riker brings it in, there's very little said. You know, you know, and there's the look of understanding. And when he takes the flute out, and he just kind of he grips it tightly and holds it towards his chest, mm-hmm. was um, because to me that makes the whole episode real. I mean, you know, if you don't have that scene, then you know you could. He could kind of just dismiss everything that happened to him as just you know another strange experience being out among the stars. But that that flute gives him something to hold on to of that world, um, and I just thought it was a clever, clever way to write that and and keep that real for him. And and obviously him playing them, you know, you know, you know, thirty or forty minutes, you know, whatever the day before, he didn't know how to play the flute. And <laughs> he was over there, and he's he's playing it beautifully. So. 
to me, that makes it real for him. That makes the emotions real for him as Jean-Luc Picard. Yeah, I think that's something in that Blu-ray commentary that uh, the writer talked about was with the flute, he was able to show, you know, they, they were able to show him kind of learn over the years. And then the fact that he's playing it in his quarters, you know, makes it very clear that that he really ex- had this multi-year experience and remembered it all, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. It was this Groundhog Day. <laughs> Plays the piano on him. Steve, what's what's your favorite favorite scene in there? Uh, you know, it's it, it's hard to say that. I mean, the, I I do like that scene that Adam mentioned. I like the scene. I, I really like the scenes as well um, that you mentioned tearing up at, and I mentioned earlier about as well. It's hard to narrow it down to one thing. It's just it's one of those that mm-hmm. the whole the whole journey. I just you know, the most of the time, I'm just kind of I'm not. I want to say edge of my seat. That's not not that kind of show. It's like a um, em- emotional edge, you know. But but yeah, definitely the where the realization that he is, you know, he's he that he's the one the probes for and the whole that whole bit. That's because that kind of just is a culmination of it in a way. Uh, so that's very strong. But you know, there's there are a lot of good stuff in this. It's it's, it's really crazy because. Think about if you if you divorce yourself from like the emotion of it or the characters, you know, and just think about like mm-hmm. the story, you know. It's uh, I've talked about this before too. One thing I love in an episode is when it just gets full on nutty, crazy sci-fi, like like you know Asimov or just some some fifties or sixties novel sci-fi, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that level of sci-fi. Like nobody would make television or a movie from that, you know. When you think about this episode. It really is that. Mm-hmm. Picard lives out, lives an entire life as an alien on a dying planet from <laughs> about a thousand years ago that went Nova. That's that's nuts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's incredible. You know, but at the same time, at the same time as that, this is just about the most human story Star Trek the Next Generation tells in its seven years. It's such it is completely the human the human condition, you know, and 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 this experience of of life and your relationship just with other people. Most of this episode takes place, you know, in his in his in his little house or the or the the, the, the village the, the village mm-hmm. like community center, you know, <laughs> and that's, well, that's it. Well, they get so like you said, they got everything right, and that's one of the big parts of it. The the more high concept or whatever the science fiction is, the more you really have to ground it in in uh, the everyday, the human emotion and all that stuff too. To 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 have it to relate to people, you know. So I I mean I think it's the, it's that combination you know that works. Yeah. What, what I writers. go ahead. Well, what I really enjoy, you know. So by this point, you know what we had eighty episodes of. Um, Star Trek, the original series, and what we're probably a good 100, 120 into next gen. What I found so unique about this episode is they found a way to explore new life um, in a different kind of way. You know, yeah. you yeah. never because basically, I mean, you know, if you look at this episode, it's really, it's really about you know, you know, when you listen to the opening of Star Trek to seek out new life and explore new civilizations. That's what this episode, I mean, you know, that's what he's doing, mm-hmm. you know, in a way in this episode. But it's in a completely, totally um, new way than they'd ever mm-hmm. done before in all the movies or episodes or anything like that. He's experiencing new life 
through their eyes, and that's what's unique about this episode from all previous ones. And that's I think that's why it still holds up for all of us, and it's so unique and different, and um, very creative and clever. Another thing I wanted to point out that the um, something the writer had mentioned on that that same commentary track about, which I hadn't really thought consciously about in, until listening to him speak of it, uh, was that they don't they don't bother explaining any of the tech here. It's mm-hmm. such a, like an outside thing. Like at the very ending, we see the little rocket ship flying off, you know, and we knew that the probe connected to his mind somehow. And that's it. Yeah, <laughs> they don't have any scenes where they're toiling away in a lab developing something. You know, we don't have to understand. Well, hey, if they can't, if they can't put people in ships and get them and go to warp speed to get out of this, the 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 influence of this supernova, you know, then why? If they can't do that, then why can they create some probe that can just go into your mind and give you this thirty years of life? Right, right. Who, who cares? <laughs> well, but, I, but I but I totally respect how most of the time people writing something like this, they would be, you know, most of the time they feel like the audience is going to require that, yeah. you know, and most maybe and maybe when it's not as this good, they do, you know. Look at how many maybe episodes? Maybe we care. Yeah, maybe we would care if the episode wasn't so good. And we have. How many times have we had discussions where it's like, I can't even get past the point of this or that. This isn't plausible. And we ask those questions because the quality is not there. It's, you know, and as we've said, if you have the quality, you can do anything. In fact, the, the ultimate is to have the quality and, and, and keep it minimal and don't drown it in this stuff. You know? And that's what we get here. You know? And part of that payoff from that is that what I said was my favorite moment. You know, when he's sitting there as an old man and he turns... He hears Bataille and he turns and he's and young Bataille is is yeah. I mean well young like his old friend but before he had aged yeah you know is sitting there and and speaks to him you know and he oh it's me you know and 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 all of these things kind of click you know and and you realize completely what had happened and that you didn't you didn't need any of that explanation. Well, I think that's because as the audience, we're clued into what's going on, whereas Picard is not. So, yeah, you don't, I agree. You don't need any of that. You don't need to go overboard on the tech. I thought about that a little bit. I actually tried to think about where the civilization was in comparison to, to you know, Trek. And I kind of, my guess was they were, you know, when he first got there, they were like 30s or 40s tech as far as, you know. And then, obviously, later on, you know, they develop rockets that go up. So well, I, I just... I just assumed it was completely alien. It was it was so alien that mm. they did have some kind of a mind thing that they that was more normal for them, mm-hmm. um, but but traveling from between planets wasn't. You know, it was just yeah. that different. Their society went off in a different way. You know, yeah. <clears throat> but I like something you're what you were saying there, Adam, about this this new and unique and heretofore unseen way of of experiencing new life, and that really is, you know. The mission in mm-hmm. Star Trek, you know, and that and that's a really good point that I hadn't thought about too, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that's one of those things that that keeps it so unique. You know, this episode is so unique that you know that a lot of the episodes, even episodes, good episodes, even good episodes that we like, it's not hard to. There've been over seven hundred hours, or not hour, actual hours, but seven hundred episodes of Star Trek. You know, some of the basic stories have been repeated. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, a lot of the the little story hooks and things have been repeated a lot of times. But 
damn, not this one. Yeah. <laughs> it's just too unique. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but when the closest thing I could think of was in DS9 with O'Brien mm-hmm. when he, you yeah. know, when he's in prison, in that mine prison for 20 years. Mm-hmm. But that, that episode took a completely different turn than, than this one. You know, that's completely different. The, the similarities are only that they spend a great deal of time in a short and great deal of time in their own reality. Other than that, those are the only two similarities I found in the episodes is that they, mm-hmm. it was kind of the same hook, but totally different outcomes. Hmm. Well, if this is a record how long we've talked about this episode. Yeah, you just can't. Yeah, you can just keep and I, going. And I, I think I'm. I'm. I, my theory is that Christopher Nolan. Um, he based his movie Inception on this. That's the <laughs> maybe. I, uh, you know, I mean, I, I guess we. This is one of like as the great episodes are. We talk about what it's about the whole time we talk about it. But, <laughs> um, but you know, I mean, we we've touched on the character development of Picard, the notion of, you know, being able to, you know, live a life that you can't have in your life. You know, and that kind of strange opportunity here. I think specifically, though, for me, why this touches me so much. And I don't think I realize this. Uh, like the first time I saw it, or maybe even the first several times I saw it. But I think over time, the reason it touches me so much is because it, it touches on that universal notion of the the pace at which life goes. I mean, we we see this, and it it all just flies by, right? And the you know he 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 saw birth, he saw death, he saw you know his his loved ones grow old and die around him, and it all happened in. Uh, less than the span of an episode and and when it's all said and done we'll all feel that way we all feel that way like where did all this go where did all time go where did all these my loved ones go uh you know and it and it's and, and i think that's how effective this is it, it like puts that in perspective and it's you know it just flies by you know and you it's hard to appreciate it at the time you know and and he he's got an interesting unique opportunity to live a very different life and to, and to see a life and how it ends, and 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 what that means to the the pace at which it goes. And yeah, and that it, can give him a, a unique insight to kind of, you know, appreciate it while he's got it. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Uh, Adam, what do you got for what it's about? Um, I definitely agree with Steve. I think we, you know we've been kind of talking about what it's been about the whole episode, and those are the keys to being really great episodes. You mentioned it earlier. I mean, you know this. This episode holds up, and the things that it's about, it's on multiple levels. Um, I talked a little bit about, um, you know, it's a new, new way of exploring life in Star Trek. Um, um, it's the growth of Picard. Um, it's about relationships. It's about a lifetime of experience. Um, so a lot of it also is about, you know, letting go. I mean, we talked about that earlier in, in this, you know, about how Picard had to let go of his life. So, I mean, there's multiple levels of what this episode's about, um, and that's why it's so great. Well, Star Trek and television in general uh, do not get better than this hour mm-hmm. of Star Trek. And uh, this is the perfect example of why we love Star Trek, you know. Um, so I'm very thankful that we have this episode, and I really do think that it... it in a way, it's it's timeless almost more than any other episode of Star Trek that I can think of. Um, last thing I have to ask, Mr. Caesar, so Steve and I have been watching the Blu-rays, but for the most part, you've been watching uh, the Netflix streams, which are the old SD versions, and you watched this episode in HD, which 
it's one of the first ones you watch in HD. What do you think? Um, it's definitely um, clearer. Um, I guess the only thing that when it really it really makes a difference in the um, the space scenes, obviously planets, the Enterprise, you know, stars, you know, that's to me that's one of the most notable differences. I mean, don't get me wrong, you know, the interiors and the planet scenes are a lot more. They're a lot. It's a lot finer and clearer. Um, it's, but for those, it's not like a huge, huge difference. But that, that's just me. Um, I, there was one particular scene that I watched both ways. It was the um, the scene when Picard came back from walking around and just trying to figure things out because they had interesting lighting in there when he's first having his long conversation with his wife, and they had that low light, I guess, from the fireplace. And it was I I thought the lighting was unique, and so I wanted to watch it both ways. Um, there's a difference. I mean, I'm not going to sit, you know, it's it's clear on Blu-ray, but um, it's not not bad on Netflix either. Well, I tell you, the thing that gets me more now, I mean, the resolution, yes, is definitely much clearer. The resolution is awesome. But I think the thing that I'm consistently appreciating more, even than the resolution, is the color. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, the color's more vivid. I mean, the, the I could, standard versions, they were just, they, I didn't realize how washed out they were until even just something simple like their clothes and their faces. The colors really pop, even in, especially um, in an episode like this. You know, they're just the color in every single scene. There, there is color, you know, and now I watch the other ones and they feel like colorized black and white or something. <laughs> well, we're definitely, no, it pops. Uh, the color definitely pops with the, um, the command uniforms, Riker and Picard. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely, those, that red is a lot more vivid than, um, than, um, than streaming. I'm still, I'm still just blown away that this is what it looked like all those years and we didn't know it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we spent a half hour on this episode. <laughs> well, kind of ready. Good it worked out on the being a two episode in time. You know? Yeah, that's true. All right, moving on. Steve. Yeah. Scott uh, Jasek um, plays the Catan administrator that doesn't have to kick Kamen off the council because he already knows what Kamen plans to say. Uh, Jasek played Cavett, a Starfleet officer who dies in Voyager's pilot episode, Caretaker. What was Cavett's rank? Oh, uh, yeah. Is he a commander? Mm. He's the first officer on the ship. Yeah, I'll give you that. He yeah, was yeah. the first officer. Yeah. He's actually he's lieutenant commander. Oh, was he? Okay. But I'll give you that one. First, first officer is really what I was looking for. Um, Adam? Yes. I'm giving this one to you because you said it repeatedly in our conversation. Margot Rose plays Beline, Picard uh, slash Cayman's wife that puts away shoes in the DS9 episode, Hard Time. She plays Rin, the Argrathi who gives which DS9 crewman 20 years worth of prison memories? Oh, that's funny. Um, O'Brien? Yeah, that's correct. So it's crazy that it's the same, you know, she plays She's in the same. She's barely in that episode, I remember. It's just that one scene, I think, where she's like, either just implanting him or just waking him up or something. She's barely in it, but it's, yeah, same actress. Uh, All right, one-to-one, moving on. Time's Arrow, Part 1, Season 5, Episode 26, Production Number 226, Original Air Date, June 15, 1992, Directed by Les Landau, Story by Joe Minoski, Teleplay by Joe Minoski and Michael Piller, Music Composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast include Whoopi Goldberg as Guinan, Jerry Harden as Samuel Clemens, Michael Aaron as Jack London, Barry Keibel as Doorman, Sheldon Peters-Wolfchild as Joe Falling Hawk, Jack Murdoch as Beggar, Mark Alamo as Frederick LaRoque, Milk Tarver as Federation Scientist, and Majel Barrett as computer voice. 
The Enterprise is summoned to San Francisco to evaluate a discovery of extraterrestrial life on Earth that dates back to the 19th century. Picard wonders why his crew has been summoned instead of Earth's more qualified scientists. He is shocked to learn that the Enterprise has been included because Data's head was found among the ruins of some 19th century artifacts. I am from the 24th century, where you and I serve aboard a starship. And? Our ship encountered a species who appears to be threatening 19th century Earth. I investigated and was inadvertently pulled into their temporal vortex. When I saw your photograph in the newspaper, I assumed you had joined me from the future. Time Zero. Is this officially called Time Zero Part 1 or is it just Time Zero? Part 1. I think it's... Uh, um, I don't know. <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was Part 1. Time Zero, which may or may not be officially called Part 1. Um, who wants to kick us off? Um, I'll go. Go ahead. Um, it's a fun episode. I don't know. When we get through this one and the next one, I don't know if we'll be able to fully come up with what it's about. But it's definitely a fun episode. It's interesting writing. Um, it's got interesting characters. I really enjoy the Mark Twain character in these, in these episodes. And um, we get to learn a lot about Guinan and Picard in these episodes, and we get a lot of good scenes between them. Um, to begin the episode, I mean, you know, there's a lot about Data's mort- mortality in the first ten minutes. You know, they're all pretty upset that Data's going to die. I don't know if that was a little over... They went a little over the top with it, but they go there. Um, obviously, it's kind of weird to see, you know, let's see, it's, it's Star Trek, you know. Only in Star Trek are you going to be able to find, you know, a crewmate's head in a cavern from 500 years prior. But, um... I, I still I enjoy I enjoyed this. I remember enjoying this episode when I first saw it, and um, I enjoy, I enjoyed it this time around. It's um, it's hard to watch this episode. I don't think I've ever watched it right after the Inner Light, so it's a little bit you know, it's a little bit of a letdown coming from there. But at the same time, it's a it's it's a little lighter subject material. So at times it's fun and it's entertaining. So it's a different. It's a much different episode than the Inner Light, but. Um, in this run, it's kind of hard to watch watch this episode right after that one. I I feel like it seems like over the years I've heard a lot of negative like talk about this, like from the people who you know producers and writers on the thing, and then fans and stuff. I've never quite agreed with that. I I mean, yeah, it's not it's not. I mean, obviously, it's not the inner light, but you know, it's not even really really good or anything but it's it's solid and i just i just enjoy it i think i yeah like you like i i think uh harden as as mark twain is awesome and i love those scenes there are a lot of scenes that feel a little bit filler like the scene between him and and gun is it's i like that scene a lot it does feel a little long but sometimes that's nice when it's a two-parter maybe they're trying to fill up time and they get to do stuff like see everybody's reaction on the ship to um, finding Data's head, which, by the way, it's, that's a, that's one hell of a teaser. You got to say, yeah. <laughs> I really, I, that is a fantastic teaser. That's a great way to open open the show. Um, but the, and, and also the, the whole episode feels like it has some actual production value, which you know a lot of the time, a lot of the time you feel like, oh, they're only going to this one room because they just don't have the money to, you know. But but here it feels like they're spending a little more money. You know, they've got more extras they've got more exteriors um costumes obviously costumes which are really great here um 
I also enjoy like the super sci-fi kind of aspect to it. Going to this, for example, I'll tell you a scene that I really, really love. I love they're in the cave, not the very first cave, but the the alien cave, and um, Data phases himself out or whatever you call it, and he's walking around telling them what he sees, and that we don't see that we just see. Same cave we've been seeing without mm. the aliens and our normal crew members, and we just hear them listening to him, you know, and the audio is a little muffled, and it gets and then something's happening. I love that sequence. I think it's fantastic. I really well, like it. Yeah, it's, it's eerie. Yeah, it's, yeah, it it's really creepy. eerie. He's like describing these these creatures in their foreheads, and you're like, holy crap, what's going on? And what is he seeing? Oh yeah, my god, it's it's almost like being at a place where something awful happened, and, <laughs> and someone's saying, this is where the body was, and this is where, or something like that, because you're in this mm-hmm. space, but and it's being described to you. This all this kooky stuff you know that yeah mm-hmm. so there, there there are lots of things i just i enjoy watching this episode i really do and i know it's not it's not inner light or dharmaki or you know but um it's I, it's good and i think it's fun i've yeah. i've always kind of liked this and i've never quite understood the um you know the criticisms that it's kind of received and it seems like it's gotten more extreme as time's gone on not not I think the I think the only thing that maybe doesn't hold up as much you know and I'm with you guys I enjoy it but once we you actually do see the cave with the aliens and their kind of I don't know what their energy soul stealing ways it's a little bit it's a little, I don't know if that holds up as much that maybe that would be my only complaint about the this episode but it's it's a little maybe too sci-fi and I think when you have that scene where you know that good scene where you hear data talking about all this stuff it's automatically going to be a letdown once you kind of see it because your own imagination sometimes can create better things than what um what they can create. So I don't know, maybe they could have well, cut that out or I don't know. Well, for example, the when we the first time we see them when they kill the forty er the miner, which by the way, I don't know how much it has to do with the episode, but oh my god, I think that is so completely forlorn. So incredibly sad when he's when he's sitting there just sitting there right before they kill yeah. him and he's just like help out a 49er i mean he's obviously you know um mentally unstable and physically torn up and uh, you know back then it was even more extreme but i mean nowadays you can have you have uh, homeless people that society's kind of discarded and stuff um but i just i find that i find that moment incredibly incredibly just sad. I really do. I think it's yeah. sad. But then, but then that sequence when they come and, and kill him, I think that's pretty, pretty creepy and eerie. The way they're some completely unemotional about it and just psh, done turn around. You know, maybe, maybe it's just the snake. I don't never. I even watch, <laughs> but I don't quite get the how the snake thing is the kind of way. I don't know what was going on there. I think mm. that's maybe. They could have gone a different way there. It's a little bit hokey and definitely doesn't hold up. Doesn't definitely doesn't ruin the episode for me at all. But I mean, well, I'm just I never quite got the, the snake cane. Steve, it be some weird, crazy animal thing. Steve, have you followed this over the years? This kind of negative criticism of this episode, or how it's gotten more extreme? Have you? Do you see where that's come coming from? I don't. I don't guess I've really caught. I, this sounds familiar when you tell me that they're that the writers didn't didn't care much for it. I, I, that that's familiar to me. I've heard that. I don't know the the, the on perpetual um, worsening of this criticism. I haven't heard about that. But 
Um, yeah, but yeah, I think it's I think it's 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 an, a kind of unusual episode. I I too think it's memorable, and I have fun watching it. Um, and it's it's a strange combination of when I think of this episode, this two-parter. I think mostly I think this is fun. Yet there's this creepy element of these mm. interdimensional beings killing people and all this stuff too, which is kind of a strange mix. Um, I think that's kind of it's almost like the angle you choose to <laughs> to view it in. I mean, in the sense that it's 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 there's a lot of kooky humor and it's and, it, and fun and it's you know it's all this stuff too but you got you got this strange creepy element underlying it and, and I I think one thing I one thing else I do I do like about the episode as well in, in this regard is that um, it's a little bit of a mystery and you're I felt I remember the first time you know, of course now I know what's going on but you're kind of like this what is happening here exactly but not so far that it removes you from it just enough to kind of you know they're not playing the thing where you you know ahead of the characters what's going on I, I feel like I'm just kind of I'm tra- I'm learning these things as they learn it and it's it makes sense as, as they get it for me you know and sometimes in these mystery ones where it's so obvious you know way ahead of time that that's problematic but I I know what you're saying though about the uh, disparate tones because, like when I was watching, I watched this one last night. When I was watching this one, that that incredibly sad 49ers scene I was talking mm-hmm. about. So I'm watching it, it's pushing it on his face, and it couldn't be more sad. Help out a 49er, and then it goes from sad to creepy because the aliens come in and kill him. And then the very next scene is one of the joke scenes. There's you know the scenes with the funny dialogue between mm-hmm. Data and the bellboy. Yeah, you know. Uh, you know, keep the change, yeah, or, or, or and those things are funny, or, you know, uh, ow, you know, <laughs> when he feigns pain yeah, yeah. At, from picking up that heavy item. Um, I, mean, I think that the, the, the humor is good, but it is a little fast to kind of jump from one tone to the next. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know that that's, that, that by itself is enough to, to, um, sort of this episode's reputation but i do see i do see what you're talking about there it is it is it is a weird it is a weird blend and um we've had enough creepy on next gen so i don't know if i would say maybe they could have gone all creepy but maybe if they'd just gone all fun romp in san francisco you know in the 19th century that might have been more maybe that would have been okay i don't know um I just so our listeners are. I actually watched both part one and part two. I think maybe it jumps. Up. Maybe we'll get in the net. We'll get in part two in a couple of weeks. But um, yeah, the second episode jumps around a little bit. Maybe that. Maybe that's why some of the criticism um, about these two two episodes. I don't know. I mean, we can get into that in a couple of weeks. But mm-hmm. I, I did have some written down about how it jumps around quite a bit in part two. Yeah, maybe that's maybe that's some of it. I mean, they just kind of just gloss over a lot of stuff in the second part, so but we'll go there later. Well, I, I also, I mean, I really do like the guy and stuff. Um, as I mentioned, I like her and Mark Twain. Um, I like um, I like her summoning Picard. I love, we've talked about that too, but she's the only person on the ship that can, that can say to Picard, just do it, and he will. <laughs> nobody, else, nobody else could say that to Picard. He would say, I need more information. You know, period. Um, but Guinan can say that. You know? <laughs> and, and of course, it's a fun line. Like, do you remember the first time we met? Don't be so sure. You know, I mean, that's, that, that's, that's fun. That is. Um, oh. But my favorite moment in the whole episode, I got to say this because I'm on, uh, Data finds her, realizes that she doesn't know who he is, so she hasn't, they haven't met yet. And he says, I'm from the 24th century where we serve on a starship together. 
What's her response to that? And? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm from the future where we're buddies yeah. in space. Okay. And and what? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing weird about that. Yeah, what's, yeah. what's your point? Yeah. <laughs> well, no, she, she kind of wigged out a little bit when he said Starship. Well, no, because he said we serve on the Enterprise. And she's like, what kind of ship is that? A clipper ship? And then he goes, Starship. Starship. That's when she's like, oh, we need to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because he says it in front of uh, Samuel Clemens. But, but yeah, that, that moment when she's just like, and? You know, that made me laugh out loud. That's that's pretty. I've totally forgotten about that. That's pretty good. So watching. So I'm assuming for Guinan, the 19th century Guinan, it had to be before um, her planet was decimated. I'm assuming. Would you guys say that? Yeah, and I, that's one little fun bit. She says something. Did did my father send you or something? You know, it's it's a nice playful line because one, it it does imply that she's younger. Mm-hmm. You know, she still has that. You know, you're, you know, like you would say, like my dad said I could go or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. she's a little bit younger. We get that. We get a sense of her own familial history in a way that we never ever do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's a fun little bit that I, she, that I just remember. Yeah, she had a line there. I'm not done listening, and you know, because obviously, her yeah, right. She's in Lorian and it listens. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I, I agree with you that that it's that it's implied this is prior to the uh, Borg's destruction of. Her homeworld. We don't know the name of the Elorian homeworld, do we? Did we? Elorian. <laughs> Man, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh, what's this episode about, gents? Um. What I had. What I had down because a lot of the first part of the episode, they there's a lot of discussion about Data's mortality. You know, he has a long conversation with Jordy, um, talking about. You know, he feels like you know. Now that he knows he's going to die, he doesn't have these questions about his own mortality and how long he will live and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, he's he's saying like, um, now that I'm mortal, now that I see myself as mortal, I see myself as less different and more like everybody else, which makes me feel good. Is basically what he's saying, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you know, when they kind of lose. I mean, Troy and um, Riker have that long discussion about um, friendship, um, what friendship means. For data and what it means for for humans, um, but a lot of that takes place in like the first 10, 15 minutes of the episode. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You could completely say that's what the episode's about. Yeah, it's kind of hard to nail it down to one thing. I do, I, I do see that, you know, because of his recognizing mortality and how it you know, affects uh, his the you know the perspectives of his friends and also his own. But there's also this, uh, which you know, just we're just seeing the beginning because we have the second part to uh, see as well. But Picard and Guinan uh, and this notion of the a friendship that you know where you have a situation where one met the other before the other one met the other, you know, kind of thing. It, it creates this kind of um, depth you know to the friendship and also this this notion of just just uh you know bowing to the inevitable you know i mean you know we generally we have choice we have the choice but in this case i think the emphasis is in both terms of data recognizing someday his head's gonna get blown off and (laughs) picard recognizing the that friendship with guinan and and their how tight they are this notion of there's a path that sometimes we may not know exactly how it's going to get to this point, but we're going to get to that point, you know, and recognizing the inevitable in some respect, I think is part of this. Hmm. Well, cool. I think we've covered this one then. You guys feel good about it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's move on to. 
Six degrees for times arrow. The score is one to one. Um, Adam, are you going first or second? I'll go first. Jerry Harden plays Samuel Clemens, better known as Mr. Mark Twain. In Voyager's first season, he played Neria, the chief thanatologist. That's a guy that studies death in the episode Emanations. Which Voyager crew member completely disrupts the Nori's beliefs about death when he suddenly arrives and tells them the bodies they're sending to heaven are just ending up in a cave, or worse yet, near the war corps in engineering? Um... That would be Ensign... My God, I can't believe I got his name. Ensign... <laughs> oh, wow. I, I think the actor's blanked. name. I think the actor's name, if you know that. I completely blanked. Um, oh, I'm going to feel pretty dumb when Steve answers this. I completely blanked on the answer. Um, go ahead, Steve. Is it Kim? Harry Kim? Yeah, right. yeah. Was, uh, Harry Kim. Uh, Steve, Mark Lima plays the poker player Frederick LaRoque. Alemo. Excuse me. Uh, Lamo played a lot of characters in Trek. This episode aired in June of '92. When do we see him next? Air date. What month? <laughs> oh, okay. Um, yeah. Uh, January '93. You're correct. DS9's yes, <laughs> premiere, January '93. Steve takes it for the day. Uh, real quick, let's just kind of run over. Um, Season five, um, you know, I think I said, you know, so The Inner Light and Darmok are definitely two of my favorite episodes, and they're both in this season. And it's funny because the season opens with Darmok and it ends with The Inner Light. I mean, I really, I, Darmok is that good. It's certainly in my top ten, um, It's and it's certainly in my top, you know, three for next gen. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. It's probably, it's probably um, Chain of Command 2. Inner Light, Darmok. There's, you know, Measure of a Man. There's a couple more that are close, but that's how much I love Darmok. In addition to the more obvious one of the Inner Light. Um, so, but season five, it's an interesting one. Um, I think, in a way, when I when I just think of Next Gen, I generally think of seasons five and six. I think of the way the show is, seasons five and six. You know. Um, I don't think of, I don't know, I don't think of Wesley, you know. I don't think of the, the kinds of stories they were telling before this. And in, in a way, I don't even really think of, like, season seven so much. Like, season seven feels more like the future somehow. But season five and six, they, they give me that home kind of feeling for next, for next gen. Just It's the middle of the show. It's not right near the end, which I guess is part of, the, part of what I'm talking about in season seven. Um, you know, it just feels like, there's more show to come, and this is what the show has settled into, you know. Um, so, did it hold up for the most part? Yeah, there were. The, the only surprise for me was how out of its mind nuts that that one episode was. Gravity uh, was it cost of living? The one with um with uh, Mrs. Troy and Alexander. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. We said that was the weakest episode of the yeah. yeah. I, I had I didn't I really did not remember how um, nutty that episode was. Um, so that was like a really big surprise for me. But um, a lot of solids, a lot of really solid episodes. Of course, this is the, ep- the season with Spock and uh, and a couple of times that Wesley comes back 
you know, in this episode are so good. Um, first duty in the game. Um, Masterpiece Society. Yeah, uh, do you guys remember? Like, oh, Iborg is this season. We just we just talked about that one. Um, disaster. Always love that. We introduced Ensign Row. So it's just a really. Yeah, I, I do definitely like this season. I think from this new. This is the first time I've watched Next Gen in a few years. Um, the biggest surprise has been how much better season three was than I remembered it. And maybe it is shockingly the best season. Um, before watching it this time, I thought it was either season five or season six. Um, but it's it's still, it, it. I mean, it really does hold up. And, and you get a little bit of a sense of, of where they're going with the characters. I mean, what, what do you guys think are kind of the standout trends from this season? Um, well, I mean, it just, just, uh, good, good writing, you know, really, really solid episodes that have depth and meaning, you know, there, there are so many here that would, would be in many people's top 10 and so on. But there's also, like you said, I think, I think the, the reason we tend to think of this time period as kind of the heart of next gen is because of that, that, uh, everything's culminating and you know you've developed characters but they're still there's still ground to cover they're not they're not just retreading old stuff at this point there's such great episodes you have um uh but there's still more to come all that together i think is, is why we think this is kind of the heart of the heart of the series really adam yeah um, general there's... thoughts on this particular season this is definitely, I mean, I would definitely agree with you. It's a five and six. I mean, seven's got its highlights, but it doesn't It doesn't um, hold up to five and six. Obviously, we're going to get into six, and we can talk about that in several weeks, which which season's better, five or six. But um, just kind of flipping through them, there's, there's a lot of great, um, I mean, we could sit here and talk about it earlier. There's a lot of great episodes in this season. Um, there's really good bottle episodes. Um, I was thinking about, you know, Probably the only thing that's maybe missing from this season, you know, we don't, there's probably not a great, truly great data episode in the season. I mean, data, don't get me wrong, data's great in the season, but not as good as um, some of the, um, you know, mm-hmm. episodes from three or so. We get a lot of, we get, obviously, we get two really great Picard episodes. Um, you mentioned that earlier. We, we talked about the Inner Lights and um, Darmok. Um, those are two really great um, Picard episodes. We get, um, we get a really good episode with Riker when he, um, you know, he falls in love. Uh, what was the name of that episode? Um, yeah, the Outcast. Or yeah, the Outcast. Mm-hmm. That that asks a lot of interesting, good questions. There's a couple. I mean, I think they kind of got, they found their rhythm with the bottle episodes in here in this season. You know, when we were talking about in season one and two and so forth, you know, those bottle episodes were just weren't very good. I mean, we got some good ones from Conundrum. I think we all kind of enjoyed that one. That's just a good bottled episode by itself. Cause, um, uh, ca- cause and effect. Cause and effect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Beverly Crusher. She's got some good. I think this is probably her best season thus far. Mm-hmm. You know, she's given some things to do. Um, and then we, you know, you talked about Wesley Crusher. He has two very contrasting episodes. Obviously, in the game, he kind of plays his old self comes back, kind of saves the day, and then um, there's First Duty, which is um, complete opposite, you know, he pretty much 
it's just very, you know, we get to see him really fail. Not only everybody around him, but he fails himself. So, um, I don't know. I mean, you, I could keep going on and on. I, th- I think one of the, you know, that what you said makes me think too that I think one of the one of the big factors is that the they're they're a point in the series they're willing to take chances. You know, I mean, in some of the some of the concepts being a little more out there than than we've seen before, but also, um, you know, willing to expose the characters flaws sometimes too. let them let them be a little more uh you know not they're not arguing or at each other's throats but you know we see some flaws we see sometimes where there's there's tension and i think those things together make it more interesting it keeps it from getting stale you know so i think this that's the evolution of the series well you know something that came from this season that that uh star trek never experienced before was half of this season was um yeah after the death of Gene Roddenberry, mm-hmm. and realistically, you know, most of the season was 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 produced. Really, by the time this season was coming into play, he was he was pretty gone. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, there, you think about like First Duty is a good example of an episode that I think uh, uh, you know it's them trying to introduce some level of kind of human drama, which they're still trying. They're 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 not trying to like. Uh, dismiss Gene's views outright, they're still trying to support them, but they're doing it in, in, in a way where they're still trying to find some drama, but even this level of it, I don't know how much Roddenberry would have yeah. liked, um, but, so maybe that's part of it. Maybe season five is kind of the, the beginning of letting go just the tiniest tiny bit. Mm-hmm. Um, well, okay, we got to bring up. Um, you know, we get to, we meet Alexander in this season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Worf. Um, we. As funny as you know, Worf. There's nothing. It's weird. Usually, when you think of Worf, you think of fighting and very dramatic things um, happening to Worf. But um, in a lot of ways, his character changes, and for him, in subtle ways, it's not through combat and you know honor and everything like that. It's about his relationship um, with his son that we see with mm-hmm. Cage in this season, which is um, which is different from previous seasons for him. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you know, like like we've seen in other series as well, but you, you get to that point where oftentimes secondary characters start getting introduced, and it's finding that balance where, okay, we're keeping it fresh, we're bringing in new people, yet we still have enough focus on our primary characters, we're not losing that, you know, that's something important too. But yeah, it makes me think, you know, speaking of Roddenberry not being a, you know, having any influence any longer on it starting at this season, it kind of it kind of supports the notion of every so often you need to shake things up. I mean, you know, we uh, we saw what happened at the end of the you know um, modern era, you know, in um, 04, and you know, and many would argue that it would just it just got stale because the you know creative control rested in the hands of the same people for so long, you know. Yeah, well, with the exception of what's the other, what's the show that's just being created is this season of Next Gen is ending, DS9, and that's the one mm-hmm. that, you know, goes off in more of a that different direction than any of the other shows. Yeah. Um, and was, the reins were given away, um, you know, obviously, like, Berman is keeping tighter control on something like Next Gen, mm-hmm. or even um, Voyager, uh, and more so by the time Enterprise comes on, because it's the only one, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying. Yeah, huh. but good season mm-hmm. for sure. Great, 
great to see it in uh, in HD. <laughs> All right, well, folks, um, thanks for joining us. Um, good thing we didn't have a third episode today; we'd have been in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let's see. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. That's Facebook.com/slash Trek Companion or at Trek Companion on Twitter. Uh, you can send us an email. That's trekcompanion at gmail.com. Thanks so much for spending an hour with us, and we'll be back in two weeks to kick off uh, Season 6. Until all next time, take it easy. Good night. See you. Stefan, I passed it.